Welcome back to the Booming Basketball Podcast. This is our second episode today. I'm joined with Danny. Yo. We're going to be doing another episode about basketball, obviously. First today, we're going to be starting with the Miami Heat. Um, they've been fantastic this year so far. They're the number one seed right now, and Lowry, Adebayo, and Bam have played a total of 11 games this season, which was supposed to be their big three and had a lot of hype going into the year. They've all they've missed 51 games combined total. If and uh, we look at other guys like the Heat have been so good because of their depth. If you look at guys like Max Struess, he's taken on a huge role. He's averaging 17 points a game as a starter. So the guys that have been needed to step up have been stepping up. Yeah, Caleb Martin too, right? Yeah, Caleb Martin has been having another fantastic year coming up from the Hornets, separated from his brother, obviously. Him as a starter this season, averaging 15.3 points a game and 5.9 rebounds. His hustle and just what he brings to the court and his energy, um, other Heat players have talked about it, and his hustle and what he brings to the team just as a guy that really galvanizes the whole team together and energizes them and puts together that effort that a lot of guys won't give you. And he does a lot of those things that aren't necessarily shown on the stat sheet, but if you're watching Heat games, which I've done quite a bit this season because they're a pretty fun team to watch, even without Jimmy and uh, Bam and Lowry, uh, they just they're, they play like a team. No one takes control or ball hogs. They move the ball, and Caleb Martin and Max Struess have been just the two, two guys of the many that have stepped up this season, as you mentioned, P.J. Tucker. Yeah, P.J. Tucker shooting 45.9% from the three-point line this season, almost 50% from the field. We've seen P.J. Tucker. We know he's a good three-point shooter from the corner. That's what he's been known for for his whole career. Everyone knows P.J. and his love for the corner three. But, yeah, this season he's been knocking it down at literally the league-best rate. He's been huge for them. Come back from a year where he wasn't really didn't do much and wasn't really used much on the Bucks. He's put up one of his best statistical, statistical seasons of his career this year with eight and six, about or say about six rebounds a game. But, like we said, the 46% shooting from three has been really what has uh, been the big difference with him this year. He's been a solid three-point shooter for his career, but he's really been an elite shooter this year. And uh, along with the other guys, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, uh, Gabe Vincent's also stepped up and been a big part of their team this year. Uh, I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. They have great depth. They're full of great leaders. Lowry's notoriously a great leader. Jimmy showed how good of a leader he was in the finals against the Lakers. That whole playoffs, actually. They're, they're just built so well, and they're, they, they just have such a deep team. Yeah. I just don't see him slowing down. No, I agree. And even with Jimmy and Bam and Larry not being on the floor, their presence in the locker room and just being there mm-hmm. with those guys, I think that gives the other guys so many so much confidence in the younger guys because they know that their teammates believe in them and the work they put in. They're just a grinding team and I think that's the reason why they're so good is they just work harder than pretty much any other team in the league it seems. But um talking moving on to another topic, it's the Steph Curry debate. And whether he's a human or not, which uh, it seems like he actually is human, believe it or not, because uh, since we all saw him break the three-point record and that was just the talk of social media and the basketball world, even the sports world for days, uh, he hasn't done too much since then. The Warriors are still good. Steph has been not Steph. He's looked like an actual human being. Uh, His stats this year since the 16 games, he's played in 16 games since he broke that three-point record against the Knicks, but since then averaging 23.6 points per game, 38% from the field, and 33% from three. He's at shooting a career low this year from three. He's never shot under 40% for an entire season, other than the year that he didn't play um, a requirement of games where he was hurt. But, yeah, he's shooting under 40% for the first time in his career. Yeah, so he's, he's in a slump, but he's still 
you could tell he just has such a big impact on the court. Like It's Steph Curry. Yeah. They have to deny him the ball, and that just makes his teammates better. And he just makes it everyone on the court better when he's on the court. Even when he's not shooting the ball well, they still have to guard him like he's going to make every shot because he's the best shooter we've ever fucking seen. Yeah, like back-to-back games. Like, look at this. Against Chicago, he had a uh, positive 24 plus minus. And then against Detroit, four nights later, had a 21 plus minus. And even in those games, he only had 18 and 19 points. And really, like, if you just look at the box score, you wouldn't think his out or his... Um, impact on the game would have been that great, but it's it's just every, the gravity Steph Curry has on basketball is greater than anyone we've ever seen. I think we can agree with that. I right? agree. I agree. But Steph is he's in a slump, and I think shooters just go through slumps. I'm not gonna be too worried. Are you worried about him at all? No. Yeah. I'm, he'll 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 find his way. I promise. Did you actually did you see the thing on Instagram the tour dates? Oh yeah. Uh, everyone's seen the tour dates meme. I, I think it's been making its way around Twitter and Instagram. The uh, Harden had a similar one, I think, yeah, the, yeah, last yeah. year. I saw that. Harden uh, had his shooting numbers looking like tour dates, but uh, I think Steph's gonna figure it out. I mean, oh. Clay, Clay's Clay. He's gonna get in his rhythm. Yeah. And they don't have Draymond right now, which is a big part of their offense because he really gives op- opens up so much for Steph. Well, I mean, look at this. He, cl- he clearly still has something. The thirty nine points. On 12-27 shooting, 12-27, 44% from the field isn't like Steph Curry, but still 39 points, like huge impact mm-hmm. on the game. He's been having the outbursts, and he's been still putting up those numbers, just not consistently every game like we're used to. And yeah. I think our expectations for him are just so high that when we see him go through yeah. struggles like these, we just think of... It's, it like blows our mind because how great he is, and I think it's just a reminder, honestly. It's also goes, the media. It is the media. A lot of it's the media, just their expectations on players. Yeah, media will always gravitate to the great players whenever they have a bad game. But <clears throat> if someone who's, like, notoriously bad has a bad game, you know. Exactly. It's It doesn't even get talked about. That that's It's how it is. Certain players, we see, like, guys with Giannis that doesn't get talked about as much when he does, has a bad game, but he doesn't really have bad games. But there's certain players that are targeted more by the media and not – um, Steph's definitely the Steph haters have been coming out of hiding recently and definitely been talking about uh, his struggles and trying to diss him or discredit him or whatnot. But I think he's gonna figure it out and all. The Warriors are still one of the best teams in the league right now. The Warriors are still the second seed. They're pretty comfortably in that position. They're quite a few games ahead of the Grizzlies. They're three games ahead. So. Even though they're struggling a little bit right now, I think especially getting Draymond back and then hopefully Wiseman in the next coming weeks, it's going to bring back stability to that lineup. Um, like I talked about in the last episode about Clay Thompson, he's going to bring stability to that lineup. And he's just going to, once he finds his rhythm, he's a shooter. He's got to find his rhythm. He hasn't played in two years. Yeah. He's going to get better. Draymond's going to get that offense going more when he comes back. And I think Steph is going to just be fine because I think they're going to go back to the way they've been playing the past few years. They had everyone together. Yeah, 100%. Steph's gone through a slump like this at one point in his career. It's He came back from it. We've seen Steph do this before. It's not... It may not have been as long or as prominent, but I think Steph's going to bounce back like Steph does every other time he's had bad shooting games or shooting weeks. He's the best shooter in the world. He's going to figure it out. Speaking of other Western Conference teams that are successful right now and MVP candidates... The Grizzlies. How are you feeling about the Grizzlies? The Grizzlies are interesting to me because I've seen them ranked number one in certain power rankings. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. 
that makes really no sense to me because I think when you look at what power rankings are, is yes, they've been hot and their record's yeah. good. They've beaten some good teams. They beat Denver the other night with, obviously, Jokic. They're kind of a depleted roster at the moment. They beat the Bulls the other night, uh, who are also battling injuries. The Grizzlies are just a really, really solid team, but I think that's really all they are. I don't think they are a legitimate threat in the Western Conference. I think when it comes to the playoffs regarding their seed, I don't think they match up to the likes of the Jazz or the Warriors or the Suns or even guys like the Mavericks and the Nuggets who have true superstars who can carry them and have proven themselves in the playoffs. Ja, I love Ja, but I'm not ready to put him in the same category as Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic and those so types of players. in the top five MVP I'm not right now. Are you, are, do you think Jaws top five in the MVP race right now? Maybe five. Maybe five. I, think I, f- I know you're a little hard on Jaws. I am a little hard on Jaws. Admittedly, hard. I'm, I'm a little hard on Jaws. I, I think he's a great player. Mm-hmm. I just think the media uh, rides him more than anyone in the league right now. And uh, it's not particularly close. I think even LaMelo, we see like LaMelo Ball and LeBron posts go down because there's just Jaws posts all over the place. Oh. He's an exciting player. He is an exciting player, but um, if it comes down to it, I still don't even really think he's a top three-point guard in the league because I think Steph is better, I think Luka is still better, and I think Chris Paul is better. Dame, I still think, could be better, but Dame is going through whatever he's going through with his abdomen and his terrible shooting year. But, yeah, I, I'm not trying to discredit Ja. I just think that he's not in that level of stardom yet or where he can carry a team, especially with zero other all-stars on their roster. I don't. They're a well-rounded team with Jackson and Brooks and Bain, a bunch of multi-10-plus point-per-game scorers, and they're well-rounded. They have good defensive guys like DeAnthony Melton and Zaire Williams who give a lot of effort on the defensive end and really make them a solid defensive team. But... Desmond Bain's popping off this. Yeah, actually, shout out to Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain's been having a great season. I think he's honestly my number one candidate right now for improved, most improved, because yeah. I think that's another reason I think Jai is a little, just a tiny bit overcredited, because I think Desmond Bain does so much for this team. Over the past five games, he's shooting 40% from three. Actually, on the season, he's shooting 42% from the three, 47% from the field, and he's averaging 17 and a half. Last season, he averaged about 10 a game on decent shooting. Coming out of college, he was known he was supposed to be the best shooter in the draft, and he's proving that right now. He's probably the best shooter in his draft class, and he's one of the better shooters in the league. He yeah. shoots on a very high volume. He's top 10 in makes, I believe. Um, but, yeah, the Grizzlies are not number two in power rankings, in my opinion, or number one, or probably top three. I think they're having a good season and they're overachieving, but to put them in that category with those elite teams, I just I don't think... I don't think you can put them there because I think when it comes down to the playoffs, when you are having them go up against elite teams or teams that have playoff experience, this team doesn't really have that. And if they were to even somehow make it to the finals, which they won't, they don't match up against the Eastern Conference teams well either because you look at the Bucks and the Bulls, the Sixers, those are deep, and the Heat, the Cavs, these are deep teams. And the Grizzlies are deep, but I don't know if they necessarily have the depth or that they don't have as good depth or the star power of, like, an Embiid or a Giannis. I think the Grizzlies beat the Cavs in a seven-game series. I think, I, I think the Grizzlies would probably beat the Cavs in a seven-game series, actually. You're, I think you're right about that. That I won't put the, I think you could put them ahead of the Cavs. But I don't think they match up well against, like, the Nets or the, uh, the Bucks or the Heat in a seven-game series or even the Sixers because they have that star power as well as the depth. And even though Ja is a star... 
small point guards have been known to struggle at times in postseasons, and he has been really good in the only playoff games he's played or the play-in games that he played in. It was you who said that this year's Grizzlies team is like last year's Hawks. Kinda was that you? Me? Uh, no, not like last year's Hawks. Like, like that they'll like look really good in the regular season, and then you'll be like, maybe this team can make a finals run. Maybe they'll go to the conference finals, and then they, you know, they end up overachieving in the playoffs, and then they see their opponent. I feel like that that is how it's gonna be. I don't think that they would get to the conference finals. I yeah. Think that they maybe get to the second round, but. <clears throat> I don't. They got a high seed right now, so. They have a high seed, and that would also put them up. Right now, if they were to go into the playoffs this very moment, they would actually be playing an opponent that I don't like them matching up that well against, the Nuggets, because yeah. they really don't have a guy like. They can't especially stop against Jokic. big men. Jaron Jackson, Jackson is a great defender and a really, really good young player, but he really struggles to rebound, which Jokic and is an elite, elite per, uh, player at, as well as scoring in the post. Darren Jackson's one knock really is his strength. He's not very strong, and I think he's going to get bullied by a guy like Jokic or a team that revolves around big men because their interiors and their size is really lacking. They're a small team, and uh, I don't think they're going when they go up against anyone with real size. Even the Lakers, if Anthony Davis is healthy, I think they could struggle against Anthony Davis if he learns yeah. how to play like Anthony Davis again. Yeah, I mean, this is why I feel like they're going to struggle. Like the, like the Nuggets, like you said, the Grizzlies might not be able to compete with those super deep teams with the star, with like the star power. Nuggets got the star power in Jokic, and then they have a ton of depth. The Nuggets are so deep. And by the time the playoffs come back, other teams are going to get better too. Like the Nuggets are going to get Jamal Murray back. If yeah, the Clippers get Kawhi back at the end of the season, like they're saying he could because his uh, recovery's had a schedule and they get Paul George back, the Clippers could make a run. The Lakers are still the eighth seed. The Timberwolves are the seventh seed. If the Timberwolves stay in the playoffs, yeah, if they play the Timberwolves, I don't like that matchup either because Carl Towns and they have very quick guards yeah. and guys who could probably contain Ja better than most. Um, I really like Jalen Noel. Um... He's a really solid backup guard, and he brings a lot of hustle. D'Angelo Russell's improvement on the defensive end this season has been one of the biggest things, I think, this season that people haven't been talking about enough. He's turned into a defensive leader. If you've watched Timberwolves games, he's always yelling and telling people yeah. what position to be in. Um, Carl Towns has almost become a better perimeter defender than he is interior, which is sad but also good at the same time, I guess. I feel like that's why the Timberwolves are like playing well this season. I feel like D'Angelo Russell's developed into more of a leader. I agree with that, and even though D'Angelo Russell on offense, sometimes he pisses me off because he is a shot jacker at times, yeah. he brings their team together, and he really is that leader that they've needed. Ant is a really good, uh, voc he's a vocal guy, and he wants to be a leader, but I think when it comes to basketball IQ, D'Angelo Russell's is much higher than a guy like Ant's. He's so been He's too. been in the league longer. Yeah. He's a great, he's been uh, notoriously, or he's been known as a really good playmaker. Yeah. He has vision. He knows how to see the court, and he's finally using that to see the court on defense, and he's really taking the turn rules game to another level, which they really have had the talent and the potential to reach, but now they're finally, finally doing it. Yeah. Dude, the Timberwolves have had, like, some of the most promising teams on paper and then just shambles in the actual end. Like, Multiple times, too. Yeah. Because Remember the Jimmy team? Yeah, we had the Jimmy team. And exactly. even before that, we had it was Wiggins, Levine, and Cat, and everyone thought that was going to be great. And then it was just three 20-plus point-per-game scores almost doing – taking turns just scoring the ball, and they didn't actually – it looked like they weren't even trying to win basketball games. It yeah, was, they're, they're moving the ball now, though. The Timberwolves do a really good at just moving the ball, and they hit shots. They really do. They get open shots, and they hit them. They're fifth in the league in three-pointers made. They are third in three-pointers attempted. Uh, they get shots up. Look at their defense, too. Fifth in steals, fourth in blocks. 
um, their versatility on both ends of the floor. They just do every. There's not. They don't really have one thing that they're bad at. That they, they've uh, forced the most turnovers in the NBA. Actually, they're the. Oh yes, I actually remember that uh, during the Knicks game because I was watching because I watch every Knicks game. They played the Timberwolves the other day, and honestly, the reason that we. Uh, lost the game probably was because of how many turnovers they caused us and they get in passing lanes and they're really just they're good at reading passes and I think so much of that has to be credited to D'Lo because he literally will call things out and tell someone to go to a certain spot or do this and I think they've just taught Chris Finch is actually a really good coach too I think I think he's doing a really good job with the team the Timberwolves have been making shots they're like the ultimate three and D team they get in passing lanes they block shots and they make threes uh they get a lot up they don't shoot the best percentage but they um, they're not horrible. Carl Anthony Towns, 51% from the field, 30, 40% from three. Carl Towns obviously just showing his full display once again this year as he does every year. He's finally getting the help he needs, though, because now he has Ant and D'Lo, and Jalen Noel has been really, really good in the few games that he's had. He's undrafted, uh, undrafted guard, I believe. What do you think about uh, Carl's take about him being the greatest shooting big man of all time? I'm actually gonna agree with that. I agree. I think Carl Towns is the best shooter. I let me explain my reasoning for this because I think the only other guy you could argue over Cat I think is Dirk, and the reason why I think I'm gonna give Cat the slight edge is because of the volume he takes and the percentage. He shoots about forty percent for his career, and he takes uh, more threes than any center ever has in NBA history. He is. The difficulty of shots he takes as well is what I think is so impressive to me is because he takes three-point attempts like he's a guard. He literally runs off screens and takes threes. And it's he runs off screens and moves like a guard. He catches and shoots. He takes step-back threes. He'll break down his defender, size him up, take a sidestep. He does it all. He scores in every single way. I think he's the best scoring big man in basketball outside of Embiid and Jokic. Um, but, yeah, Cat is really just contributing to wins now and the Timberwolves really do looks like a solid basketball team they're young and they're hungry and I think they want it a lot more than the teams and they just get out and they run they get in lanes like I said and they're just hungry I think they're gonna continue the success hopefully because I think they're a really fun team to watch so moving on we have the New York Knicks my New York Knicks sadly this the past couple games have not been pretty it's been really a lot of up and down we've looked really good and then we've looked really fucking terrible the free throws are the number one thing I want to talk about with that first before I get into the main topic. It's the fact that the Knicks were 7th in free throw percentage two weeks ago. They're now 23rd, and they have dropped immensely. In their past 10 games, they're shooting 67.9% from the free throw line, which is unacceptable. Do better. I don't care. It's free throws. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. Hit your free throws. Even RJ, who's been fantastic. I love you, RJ. Hit your damn free throws. It's pathetic. I can't. It's really painful to watch. The other night when the Knicks played the Cavs, they lost by a measly two points. In a game they should have won, and there's no excuse they shouldn't have won it because they missed ten free throws. I don't. There is literally nothing else to say about that other than the fact that if they had made their free throws, they would have won comfortably. It's a fact. And shooting 67.9% from the line is a big reason why we're 5-5 five and five in the last 10 and not better because um, the Knicks have just, they've looked like they forgot how to shoot the basketball. It seems like every time they go to the line, it's one of two or over two. And listen, heartfelt message from me to Knicks fans out there. I hope Cam Reddish is the answer. I like the trade. 
Cam Reddish is now on the Knicks, as we know now. He was traded for Kevin Knox in a first-round pick. But uh, he's only peered. He was out with ankle injury or ankle soreness, whatever they were prepping him, getting him right conditioning before he got into the court. He got his debut the other game against the Clippers on Sunday, and he played a whopping five minutes. He took two shots. He was one for two and had two points. Against the Cavaliers the other night, he did not play. So my question is to Tom Thibodeau, why are you not playing a player you just traded a first-round pick for? You don't trade a first-round pick for a guy you're not going to play. He has a lot of potential. He has room to grow. We need wing depth, and we need scoring and someone that can actually create shots for us outside of Julius Randle, who thinks he can create shots, and RJ, because Kemba's been inconsistent. Derrick Rose is being missed deeply right now. Emmanuel quickly has been erratic from the field. He was eight of his 31 last shots. Last night, he took a garbage shot to try and make a hero play, and yeah, he wasted one of the Knicks' late opportunities by just another garbage pull-up three, which he has the tendency to do a lot. When you have a guy like Cam Reddish that you get a first round or you give up a first round pick for, Tibbs says he needs to play. We have a rotation and he needs to play his way into a rotation, but that's what I don't understand is because the rotation we have is not working. The rotation the Knicks have is not working. It's not putting up consistent results. Clearly, something has to change. Was the pick protected? The pick is protected actually. It's a protected. I believe it is top 10 protected, and the protections change year by year. And I think eventually, if not, we give them a second round. If it does, if it's if all the protections are met every single year, we give them a second rounder. I don't hate that. It's, it's really not bad. It wasn't a bad trade. It, I like the trade. It's just now play the player you traded for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he'll definitely be better than Kevin Knox. Anyone is better than Kevin Knox. No Kevin Knox slander. No Kevin Knox. We don't tolerate Kevin Knox slander. I'm sorry, Kevin. That was a joke. Uh, I hope Kevin Knox does great in Atlanta. Wish him nothing but the best. I don't have any actual hate for him. But, yeah, we have no wing depth, really. Or the Knicks have no wing depth other than Alec Burks and Fournier. Um, they, Alec Burks, Fournier, and R.J. Barrett is really all they have at the wings. We have a lot of guards. They have a lot of guards. They have a lot of bigs. They don't have that many wings that contribute to games consistently, and the ones that are have been not consistent. Evan Fournier will score 30 one day, and then he'll score four points the next. So, so so what do you guys need to do? I think what the Knicks need to do is just give Reddish, don't give him a lot of minutes, just let him play with the bench and get a feel for the team so he can go out there and start trying to make plays and try to be that player that a lot of people expect him to be, that Paul George type. A lot of people think that he has that type of potential. Nate McMillan praised him before he left Atlanta saying how he wouldn't be surprised if he was an all-star one day and he wished things would have worked out. That kid clearly has potential. He was good when he played in Atlanta. If he was good enough to get minutes for a playoff team, Hawks, last year, I don't see why he's not good enough to get minutes for his team struggling to make the playoffs right now. So going across the other side of the bridge in New York, we have the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden, we've seen lots of James Harden drama and potential things about him going to the Sixers in the past or wanting to go to Philly uh, to reunite with Daryl Morey. He's expressed interest in that. They were one of his destinations when he wanted out of Houston, uh, Philly, and Brooklyn. But now there is reports saying that Harden is unhappy with Brooklyn and he's getting frustrated with part-time Kyrie. Yeah, apparently he doesn't like the area. And he ex uh, apparently he got frustrated with the part-time Kyrie 
when KD went down with his injury, and Harden basically just has to carry the whole entire Nets roster, unhealthy Nets roster. And the whole point of Harden getting out of Houston was so he wouldn't have to carry a roster, a depleted roster anymore all by himself. And now look where he's at because one of his uh, best play, one of his the other best player on his team that's available right now, isn't actually really all that available because he doesn't want to be a team player. And I'm not getting into the whole vaccine <laughs> shit. That's for you guys to all discuss and yell at each other about. I'm not getting into that. But I can understand Harden's frustration regarding the fact that he's not available all the time and that he does have to do everything basically by himself when this, these guys are out. Joe Harris has been out for some time. They said his recovery is going slower than expected. Yep. But, yeah, it's all over. It's Harden carrying a shitty Rockets team all over again. And that was the reason why he wanted to request a trade and why he did request a trade was so he wouldn't have to do everything by himself anymore. He wanted to be in that second or third option role. And now he's back forcefully going to the first. I also heard that Harden misses the area of Houston. But like, what do we, you what do you what do you think he really misses? We don't know what he misses. We're gonna leave that all up to you guys to uh to uh figure out and decide. We have no idea at all. Wonder what it could be. I have no idea. We don't know. No idea. Yeah, we have zero clue. But that's uh that's the news with Harden is a lot of people expect him to potentially executives. Ex- uh, from around the league expect him to leave Brooklyn and the target and destination that most people and the most uh, executives within the league are believing is that um, Harden is uh, wants to be a sixer and go back to playing for the uh, president that he used to play for in Daryl Morey. That would certainly give him the room and ability to not be the sole star because they have Embiid and Embiid has expressed an interest in maintaining being a sixer. I think he just needs some help and I think getting Harden would be the perfect help that for Embiid. Help. They could also get something out of Ben Simmons though. Apparently uh, the Sixers want Tyrese Halliburton and multiple first round picks for Ben Simmons. And the thing I think with that is that I thought the Sixers were crazy at first because I really thought holding him out was really going to just do nothing for them. But it seems the more time he's gone on, now people are realizing like they're really not going to trade him uh, for just whatever. But uh, the offers have seemingly gotten better and better. The Pistons had the offer the other week of, uh, what was it? Uh, it was Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Kelly Olenek, and a first, I'm pretty sure, a protected first. They offered they offered a really good package, included Jeremy Grant, young guys, and picks for Simmons, and they declined it. And there's uh, now rumors circulating Maury's stance on the situation, saying that he wants to potentially keep Simmons out even past the deadline for a potential deal this summer, which could obviously be for Harden. Yeah. And if they could do that, I mean, maybe holding Ben Simmons out all this time will end up paying off. But uh, that that's a big what if. Do you think? Uh if he does end up getting traded to the Kings, or, uh, yeah, Ben Simmons does end up getting traded to the Kings, it's for the right point guard. You think Halliburton's the right point guard? I think Halliburton isn't necessarily the... What confuses me is why they don't want Fox and why they would want Halliburton, and they have no, but there's been reports that they're not interested in a package containing De'Aaron Fox. It could just be a value thing, though. Like yeah. with the picks. Like, they might want those picks, but they won't be able to get De'Aaron in the picks. True. They, they could only get Halliburton yeah, in the picks. But it you're could, still getting a good young guard, you know? It could be a case, maybe, that that is a good point, where the Sixers can't get 
Fox and picks, which is what they want. It seems that they want a young player as well as draft capital or an established young player that or any any established player as well as draft draft capital. They want multiple things here, something to help them win now as well as for the future because Ben Simmons is a really good player now, and he's also very young. I think Halliburton would be great there. I do think Halliburton would be a really good I think he would develop so much quicker, too, with Embiid down there, bro. I think the pick and rolls with Halliburton and Embiid would be pretty... Disgusting. They could be pretty dangerous. And pick and pops. It doesn't even matter. Even a uh, two-guard lineup with... See, that is what confuses me, though, too, about Halliburton going there, is what do you do with Maxi then? Because then you have the similar situation to Sacramento, or you have a a quick, speedy point guard, and then Halliburton, too, so forcing Halliburton to play his non-primary position of shooting guard, which has proved to hold him back a little bit in the past, might be a little bit of an issue. Well, maybe the Kings throw in Maxi to try to, you know, bring in another... Yeah, that, that could be something that happens. It depends how highly they value Maxi and if they value Halliburton as more than him or not. As a starter, Halliburton has really emerged into the player that they would ho- probably hoped he'd been, or he hoped he would be coming out of the draft. He looks way more comfortable at that position. He's a playmaker. He's a guy that needs to run the offense and let it go through him. He doesn't need the ball in his hands 24-7, but he does need to be the primary playmaker, and I don't think that him playing alongside another point guard or playing with the Aaron Fox is a good idea. I don't even know what the Kings are doing. They want to trade. They're more open to trading Rashawn Holmes than Marvin Bagley. They could get more for Bagley, and they don't even play him. Bagley doesn't want to be there, I don't think, even though their no, new coach their new coach has given him minutes, but I think he's so just fed up with that organization. Yeah, I, I would be too, though. Like the most poverty franchise in all of basketball. The, the Detroit Lions of basketball. The Kings are where career goes to die. Exactly. They waste talent. Look at Fox, bro. Imagine how good he could be. He already is really good, but imagine how good he could be if he was on a different team or if he had a co-star or something like that. And they've had guys like Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald who have just been not developing and really just been the same players for year after year, and they just stunt their young players' developments. Exactly. I know. I'm scared that that's going to happen with Halliburton. I really hope Halliburton gets out of Sacramento for his own sake because I I really like his game. The Kings are awful. I hate them. They're so awful. They're terrible. I'm going to say I'm a huge NBA fan. I try to watch every game that I possibly can. I'm telling you, I've never sat down and openly watched a Kings game unless it's against the Thunder. I think I've watched maybe a few just because of Fox and Halliburton, to be honest. But yeah, I, Kings games are definitely not on my radar. They used to be. They were a fun. They were a fun team with uh, the year they had Dave Yeager, but they mysteriously fired him for God knows what reason. Um, yeah, the Kings are struggling. They probably will continue to struggle, and they probably will struggle for everyone's existence. So. If you're a Kings fan, I'm really sorry. I don't think many of you exist, but... I know one. Really? Yeah. That's hard. Friend Brendan. That sucks. Yeah, it does suck. I'm sorry, guys. If you're a, you're a Kings fan, that's really awful. Yeah. Even as a Knicks fan, I feel bad for you. Even as a Thunder fan, I feel bad for you. Yeah, you guys suck. <laughs> King slander is tolerated, by Yeah, the way. we can... We, are, we, can, we can definitely get behind some King slander. I'm sorry if you're a Kings fan. You guys are just... Make the playoffs, and then we'll talk. We're going to be talking about the Grayson Allen fiasco with Alex Caruso and the broken wrist because he decided to be a jackass and push Caruso while he was flying in the air for a layup or a dunk. Probably a dunk. It was Caruso. It was Caruso. Caruso's a monster. That's just a dirty play, dude. Like He's been like that since college. Exactly. He has the reputation. He's always done it. I, In my personal opinion, and I'm sure Amari would agree with me, it should be more than a one-game suspension. It's like Amari said. Amari said, 
that's weak. It's not enough. Yeah, Amari yeah. Stoudemire tweeted out that that's weak, not enough. I got suspended for a game for stepping on the court. This was an intentional throwdown that caused a player to need surgery. Um, Andrew Bogut actually clapped back on Twitter to that, saying that he uh, should sit this one out if you guys don't remember. Bogut had that career, or not career ending, but basically career altering because he was really never the same player ever again after he fell and injured his hand or wrist on a dunk that Amari had pushed him from behind a little bit on. I don't think it's ne- even close to the same because I think Ma- uh, Grayson Allen's was malicious and really had the intent to injure someone. He's done this shit in the past. He always does this. Grayson Allen has been a dirty player since he was first known known of, first heard of. He's still a dirty player today. I don't think that chain, that's changed, especially when he continues to do this kind of bullshit. It just has no place for it in our league. Like if you get punished or something in the NCAA and then you continuously do it in the NBA, you should get suspended more than a game. Yeah. Especially, He's been suspended before, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. This, is, this isn't a new thing. This is an ongoing thing yeah. that's happened multiple times. Grayson Allen needs to be taught a lesson. It needs to be... I'm not trying to be a Karen on him or anything, but the dude's an asshole, and he's going to hurt your favorite player um, sooner rather than later. I mean, he just hurt all our, all of our favorite player. Yeah, he basically he, just knocked Alex Caruso out for most of the season. And if you literally look at the end of the clip uh, of him doing it, you can see Grayson Allen pop a little smile. Yeah, he smirked. He, he definitely smirked. 1,000% smirked. Just, he, he's just, Fuck that guy. He, he's a douchebag. He's an asshole. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen slander also very much tolerated. Grayson Allen slander is more tolerated than King slander. Grayson Allen, if you ever see this, block us. I don't care. I don't want anything to do with you. You're a horrible human being. Moving back to the Western Conference, we have CJ McCollum and the Trailblazers. As a lot of people, or most people know, Damian Lillard's had a, had a not-so-great season this year. And uh, he was recently diagnosed with an abdominal strain or an abdominal problem that was going to keep him out a few weeks. Initially, people had thought it would keep him out potentially the rest of the season, but he's supposed to be um, fine in a couple of weeks. So hopefully Dame gets better. Um, prayers out to Dame. But uh, in C.J. McCollum's return, after missing 17 straight games, he's been really, really good. He's averaging 20.8 points, which is really around like what he usually averages, but he's just been super efficient. He's shooting 50% from the field, 50% from three. He's making so many threes. He's hitting all He's Yeah, he's been super efficient, which is what C.J. McCollum always has been, a super efficient scorer. And since he's come back, Portland's 3-1, and one, even though they've struggled this season. Hopefully CJ can maybe get them back and going or even just get his trade value up because I still think it's time that Dame and CJ break up. Yeah, that, that's that been a thing for me for a few years now that Dame and CJ, I feel like, have to part ways for, for the better of both of them, honestly. They've been together their entire careers, you know. It's, it's I think, just over. They haven't been able to get, like, you know, they haven't been able to get to the finals. They've they, got zero they, results. They went to the conference finals one year against the Warriors. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, they did. Yeah, and... Got nothing out of it. They got swept. Or, yeah, yeah, or one, maybe one, one game. What, whatever. They didn't have any yeah, success exactly. in, in that series. Exactly. And the definition of insanity is doing something repeatedly, doing the same thing repeatedly, and expecting different results. They literally do this every year with a very similar roster constructed around Damon CJ. The the Blazers have made no sort of like insane or like the biggest a- anything like noticeable to the NBA eye. The biggest move they made, I think, in the entire time that they played they've been playing together really the biggest move they made was signing evan turner to that awful deal signing Mello when Mello was out of the league for a couple of years and then probably signing or trading for norman powell at the deadline yeah 
And if your best player you're getting to help you is a 37-year-old, 36-year-old Carmelo Anthony, I'm not sure that's that's exactly much to uh, to be happy about. So we know Dame's a loyal guy, but I just wish for his own sake that he'd request out or they'd get rid of CJ for something else and try to at least give him another surrounding piece because whatever they have right now is just not working and it's not going to work. Honestly, if I'm, if I'm the Blazers, I'm just blowing it up going into rebuild mode because, listen, if you do trade one of those guys away, your team's just going to be less successful regardless. That's exactly. just that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, because they're going to have to readjust. Them. Yeah, exactly. And then what's the point of even having the other guy at that point if your team's not even contending? Exactly. Well, you could just get more for both of them. I'm not saying package them together in a deal. I'm just saying I definitely don't. Yeah, definitely no, trade I, them separately. I think that's probably the way they should go, similar to what the Thunder blew it up by trading Paul George and Westbrook in the yeah. same offseason. I mean, they had to because the Thunder Thunder are under very good management. I'm saying this probably as yeah, a no, they, no, they are. I wish but, I had. Sam Presti's a great GM. Thank you. Yeah, but um. Like, the Thunder just blew it up because they they went into it the second year, got no results, realized that it wasn't going to work out 100%. They blew it up, and now look at them. They have one of the best young— They have an insane draft uh, amount of draft They have capital. the best draft ca- draft capital possibly that we've ever seen. Yeah, it's, this, it's almost it's better than the Celtics haul from the Nets. It is, I think it is better. It is, probably. We got Shea Gilgis-Alexander at a deal, which— He's horrible. Yeah, he's, he's terrible. Definitely terrible. No— uh, and at the time, he's not, he was, not shooting the ball the most efficient. But they he, now have a franchise player yeah. out of a trade, and they also got Chris Paul even that year, who was probably led them to more success than Paul George and Westbrook would have even led them to. Yeah, I agree. I actually 100 percent agree. I'm still very upset that they lost that series to the Rockets, but it's over now. We're in rebuild mode. 14 wins on the year. The Trailblazers need to take some some advice from the Thunder. Need to blow it up. Yeah, they do. No, but like they, they can get an insane amount of draft capital too out of Damon CJ. They can, they can, they can get more. They would become one of the better young teams, I think, in the league if they could, because tr- you can get one of the better hauls in the league for Dame because he's still under contract for a few years, and he's Damian Lillard. Yeah, the thing is, you trade away Dame, and then you have Anthony Simons that's going to come in and take that starting point guard role. Anthony Simons I, has been great this he, year, dude. He's been so good. He's actually, I love Anthony. He's been Simons. so good. He's going to be a star, and he's learned a lot from Dame, and Dame's taken him under his wing and taught him a lot under uh, him. Yeah, and he's learned a lot from him. You can see some of his game in Dame, or in Simons. He plays a little bit like Dame. Not quite the same. He's more of a slasher than Dame is, but a lot of the ways and the moves that he uses, he's honestly not copied from Dame, but he's learned from him, and he's just used it to implement into his own game. He's gotten so much better from last year. Yeah, Anthony Simons is shooting 40% from three this year. He had the one game, too, where he made 10 threes against the Hawks, and they won um, where Trey Young had 56, and he had 43 and led them to a win. He's shown potential to play with some of the best players in the league, and over his last five games... He started all five. He's starting all five games. He's been the starting point guard since Dan's been out, averaging 22 a game and seven assists with a steal per game. Also shooting incredibly well. He's shooting 44% from three. He's... Honestly, he's like Baby Dame, to be yeah. honest. He shoots like Dame. Or he doesn't shoot like Dame, but he shoots very well from three. He's a good shooter. Averaging 15, 3-2 and four, three and two on the season. Last season, I'm pretty sure he was an under 10-point-per-game scorer. Um, he's shown so much growth in his game. Still young, too. And he's really young, and he could be their future. And I honestly think it's time for the Blazers to just give the keys to a young guy like that and let him play. I think they should have kept Gary Trent and not traded him for Norman Powell last season. I still think they're probably regretting that. But 
They have a young core. Nasir Little also averaging nine and a half points and five rebounds. He's been better as of late. He was a high draft pick that they had hoped he'd be better than he has been so far in his career. But he's turned around so so far this year a little bit. He's a very good defender. He's athletic and he hustles and he's been giving them something that they hadn't previously had. He shoot. He, his problem has always been his shooting from three. He's never been a good shooter in college. He was a bad shooter in high school. He wasn't a very good shooter. Um, but what Xavier Little has, or what Nasir Little has been giving, <laughs> Xavier Little is not a human. Nasir Little has been giving to the Blazers has been showing them a little bit of promise. Almost uh, like better Josh Jackson. Almost like when Josh Jackson was with the Suns in his second year. And Josh Jackson. I don't know. I haven't heard of Josh Jackson since he fed his four-year-old son or daughter pot. That happened? Yeah, he's fed his four-year-old uh, son or daughter weed brownie. Great parenting. Good guy. What a great guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, they traded for Larry Nance, too, this offseason to try to pair with Dane. Oh, that might be the biggest move that they've yeah. made since they've had those. Yeah, two. maybe. That was one of the bigger moves. And then for the first half of the season, the first half that's been played so far this season, they just didn't play him. They've played him more recently, and he's he's been a solid defender. Yusuf Nurkic has also been having a better year. He's had a bounce-back year. Nurk's one of the most underrated centers in the NBA. I can agree with that. He's almost like he's like Stephen Adams, but actually has touch around the rim because he's, he's probably one of the strongest players in the league. If you saw the other night, Will Barton actually bumped into his knee and passed out on the court for a few minutes. It was really scary. I actually didn't see that. But, uh, yeah, that was really scary. But Nurk's been really good for them. and Dude, Nurk's been like this. He's also Nurk, a piece that's if they could so underrated his entire career, I think. I think he's a very well rounded player. I think he helps them out a lot. Like twenty two boards is ridiculous. Twenty one points in the same game. He's then, one of the best interior bigs in basketball. And then yeah, and then two games later, twenty nine and seventeen. That's ridiculous. And I just think he's also you have three players that you could get so much out of. They could be one of the best rebuilding teams in basketball if you trade them. The problem with Nurkic has been his turnovers, but that's he does handle the ball a lot more than some centers. But if you could clean that up a little, I think he would do that though on a better team. If he was if he was a starting center for a team like if the Celtics, he would be perfect for the Celtics. They need a rebounding interior big so badly. He would be on the Celtics where he's not handling the ball nearly as much because they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Regardless of what happens with Nurkic, if he goes to the Celtics or whatnot, I think that the Blazers really just need to blow it up. That's that's what we're getting at here is they're not gonna do anything with the current roster they have now. And so that's basically all we have for this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in. This is Nate. I'm Danny. We'll see you all next time.